0: Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of spoilers, special podcasts. This one is dedicated to the latest, and some may say greatest, Marvel legend to hit the big screen. Oh yes, it's Morbius. <laughs> Stop it. Play nice. Play nice. Show some respect. Put some respect on Dr. Michael Morbius's name. You honestly shirkers a lot of you. Uh, yes. This one is dedicated to Morbius, which is the latest drop of Spunk to hit the big screen. Uh, is the latest addition to the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, which apparently is still what they're calling it. I don't know why. I don't know how. I thought they had changed their mind at one point, but no, they're now leaning into the Spunk, and uh, and here we are with Morbius, the living vampire, played of course by Jared Leto, and joining me to discuss this movie some time after it came out, because it took us that long to come to (laughs) terms with what we had just seen. I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning, both of whom will have more bearing on the plot of this podcast than Tyrese Gibson and Al Madrigal's characters do on the plot of Morbius. It's our geek queen, Helena O'Hara, and the best dressed man, although frankly he's slumming it today, the best dressed man in film journalism, brackets, want for division? It is, of course, a mon woman.
1: My attire is fitting for the film that we are discussing. Oh. Which is say. I'm saying. I'm not looking like, basically, I've got like a, you know, a, how do I even call this, like a cardigan of sorts? It's not, it's not even that. Like, I've got a It looks really like nice, a hoodie. Yeah, a hoodie. Thank you. Um. I've got a hoodie on top of like a really nice green shirt because I've been doing junket interviews today. Um, so that's why I'm wearing this size nice, nice shirt. And when, when I'm on camera for the junket interview, I take my hoodie off. So I'm looking all fresh and clean. It's like, but for you guys, you know, I'm, I want to stay warm, I want to stay comfortable in my own house, in my own room. No judgment, no judgment, no yeah, judgment. This is thank true. You.
0: Anywho, enough talk about uh, Amon's clothing. It's time to dig into Morbius. But before we do, first you're going to hear from the man who directed the film, Daniel Espinosa. I caught up with him in Zoom just before the movie came out in cinemas uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, we had a a chat about a great many things. Now, obviously, one of the chief things was running through my mind was what the hell was going on with those post credit stings in the movie and the appearance of Michael Keaton as Adrian Toomes, aka The Fulcher. So here we go, Daniel Espinosa and I having a chat about Morbius. Enjoy. We're delighted to be joined on this Morbius Spoiler Special by the film's director Daniel Espinosa.
2: How the devil are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Nice nice to talk to you.
0: I mean, yeah, because this movie has been pushed back for obvious reasons. There's been a there's been a, I believe a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> but you must be so relieved that we're finally at this point
2: yeah i mean i mean you know any director who's given more time in the in the editorial will take it you know so so and it, you know if you ask a director would you stay 10 years they were like yeah yeah that would be quite nice <laughs> you know so it's like somebody gave you you know you know half a year of a deadline you would go like i'll take it you know that's 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 a nice thing but yeah man it's it's gonna be really nice to to to, to get it out I'm, I'm really excited to show the movie
0: well, was it, was it the, the old saying, uh, movies are never released, they escape. And so yeah. that's the thing. That's so you're, you know, you're, even now you, you would probably be in the editing suite tinkering if always, you could. Always,
2: always, always, always making new mistakes and, you know, digging <laughs> myself into a hole or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, just the,
0: the very notion of. Release date changes kind of leads me on to my first point, which is this is a spoiler special, Daniel. So I think we, you know, we might as well start with the very end of the film. The Michael Keaton cameo was mm. was revealed in the film's very first teaser, but that was when the movie was meant to come out before Spider Man No Way Home. This, the post credits things at the end of this, are very much clearly post No Way Home. Can you talk me through that process? How much did things change? How did you roll with the punches once you realized that the the film was coming out after that movie?
2: I mean, it, it, in reality, uh, what the, you know, what people tend to forget that was that prior to Spider Man coming out, Spider Verse came out, and Spider Verse came out prior to Morbius, even uh, you know, even before we started uh, f- finishing the the script off. Yeah. And, and Spider-Verse was the one that introduced the idea of this modular uh, timelines. And, and for us who are like um, um, Marvel fans or, you know, comic book readers, you know, the idea of, uh, of different um, um, universes has always has existed, or at least for the last uh, 10 or 20 years, you, you, you know, it's, it's been a strong presence in, 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 in within the comic books. Mm-hmm. Once we left the clone era, we went into the timeline era, no? So, 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 so uh, you know, we when we started talking about it, um, uh, it was that idea of introducing the the concept of the, of the different uh, verses, but doing it on, on on our on our own turf. Then when Kev, Kevin also said that he was was interested of uh, um, of using the, the 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 same concept for his uh, Marvel uh, cinematic universe, mm. I I. I uh, applauded it because I think it was the correct move. I think the whole idea of, uh, you know, of making comic uh, books into movies is that we should follow um, the comic books. Mm-hmm. And the comic books has, you know, a different set of ideas. You know, Civil War wa- was one idea. You know, the scroll Wars are coming now. The timeline lines are, are, are a different idea. You know, there are also other ideas in the in the future that I think would be interesting I love uh, the concept that came from the Skull Wars that the uh, Norman Osborn killed uh, the Skrull Queen you remember that and then when he killed the Skrull Queen he created the Dark Avengers yeah with Venom among them you know so so there are like these you know other ideas in the future that I think would be quite interesting and I think that um, yes the movie kept evolving over these last 2 years but uh, the idea of the versus came from Sony not from Marvel
0: Okay, interesting. Because the the mm. the the sky. Uh, no, yeah,
2: yeah. no. But those images, those images, those came are post No way home. Okay, exactly. Interesting. Those came. Those came later. So it's 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 a it's, 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 it's it, there were um, that idea existed, but the way it was executed was uh, created and shaped by Spider Man, of course.
0: So the idea here is that Fulcher, the Fulcher from Spider Man Homecoming, is now in this different. Universe, this different universe with with Morbius and potentially Venom uh, as well.
2: Yeah, I mean Morbius exists in what you would call now. Um, I think you call it the Venomverse. I, you know, it's a Sonyverse, but the Venomverse. You know, and uh, and the and it's going to get more and more populated with Graven, so so uh, and the idea, as you saw in the end of uh, Venom, that Venom, uh, you know, has uh, given off a little subject of his own to Marvel um uh which i hope goes to flash gordon but uh, uh in the same way we would be able to uh, communicate back and forth you know? okay
0: interesting interesting because you're setting up the Sinister six at the end aren't you daniel with, with that that scene with with uh, adrian tombs and and morbius that's that's you know uh, that
2: man with the gun he's really yeah, like pointing at yeah. me right now and this is not i mean, I mean because because uh, you know i can tell you as a fan as a fan i think that all uh, versions of um um uh, villains coming together or heroes coming together and uh, and um, you know and uh, going on on an adventure like a group has been something that all of us you know like um, uh, readers or comic book buyers have loved uh, all the way since uh, you know lord of the rings you know uh, I mean the books, mm-hmm. uh, and the and the and the, and I think that, you know, if the future would hold uh, Sinister Six, if it would hold, uh, you know, the um, different idea of thunderbolts with Norman Osborn uh, as uh, as the boss, or you know, or competitor, you know, to you know to the Dark Avengers, all those concepts are are interesting, but the uh, the kind of uh, real decision of where and how uh, are made by Men much more powerful than I, you know <laughs> so yeah. well,
0: okay let's let's set that to one side for the time being
2: and uh, and let's
0: talk let's talk about Morbius himself in this movie because there's a there is a a a debate, a discussion, a confrontation at the heart of the film but, uh, between Morbius the hero, Morbius the antihero, and Morbius the villain. So you have the the transformation scene on the boat. You have the bloodlust scene, and then the rest of the movie is about him trying to pull himself back from that. Uh, and at the end of the movie, that that confrontation with with Fulcher indicates that there might be a more villainous aspect to him down the line, that he has nothing to live for. But can you talk about that that tension as a filmmaker and trying to trying to walk that path? Because this is a film that your your you're hero. Has to be heroic at, at at certain points, but equally he's a villain in the comic books. So how do you walk that path in, in this movie?
2: I mean, what I think is interesting with with Michael Morbius is that it's a man who's gone through hell his whole childhood, and uh, he's been um, bullied by people uh, around him. And as for many people who are experienced uh, uh, heartache or um, you know suffer through their uh, you know adolescence. It will uh, shape them and 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 change them, and I think that the the, the idea of uh, Michael Morbius is in many ways that you have a man who's grown up and become a very decent, good, strong human being, that is a you know a worthy uh, participant of uh, society, but uh, behind that kind of sheenier of uh, of um, ordnance, there is uh, another person uh, uh, bubbling and and um, and I think that was what kind of attracted Gerletto and also myself um, to start working on Morbius was to, in, in you know, try to uh, make a character who could turn, who is in one way filled with these urges and his, these needs um, that um, resemble sometimes of uh, of an addict and, and how that can change your personality and, and I always saw the future as you know, if they would do a second movie, as a, a second movie where you would go even darker and uh, really explore uh, the, the the darker tones of of of, of his persona.
0: And, and with regards to that, the can you talk about that scene on the boat? The the I'm going to call it the bloodlust scene. I don't know yeah. what you called it. Um, yeah. Because that that is, that is that you don't hold back in, in that scene. Was that important to you no. to do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, because because in, in the kind of um, you know when you create these uh, Marvel uh, characters, you have to um, uh, respect the the, the, the fable of, of them, no, and the and the kind of core fable of Morbius is that on the on the moment where he awakes, he commits a cardinal sin towards himself. In the comic book, he kills uh, Nikos. In the in the, in in our movie, we decided a different way to put that guilt on 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 on, on to Morbius. But I still wanted that opening moment to be a moment where he uh, um, does something that he cannot comprehend. He cannot even understand that he could uh, go past those lines and and kill all those people on 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 that boat and do it with lust, you know. And I think that when he looks back at those moments, the problem is that he can f- still feel the excitement and the, and the joy of, uh, of, of, of killing those people. And that's what terrifies him almost the most.
0: In a way, that's why he goes into, there's a, that, that scene where he goes into the, the sort of underground lair and beats yeah. up the thugs and starts breaking people's bones.
2: And yeah, that's, I mean, that's is- that side coming through. It, yeah it, it's a part of him that, that is slowly you know awakening within him and it started to 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 change and I think that that, that was interesting you know in, in i had had periods in my life where i'd gone on of, of, of a tangent and I can slowly see how my behavior starts changing and suddenly i'm doing things that I would you know despise and uh, and uh, and, I, and I wanted to have a character who could uh, have that, have those emotions within himself, you know.
0: Where did you want to leave the character at the end of the film? You have that shot of him flying through the sky and and in most other superheroes, that's the final shot of the film. And in in a lot of other superhero films, that would be, there would be a sense of triumph about it. Mm. But... There's not here because he's lost his, you know, he's lost a woman he loves. He's lost his best mm. friend. He's killed his best friend. He's lost his father figure, his mentor. He's lost mm. what he would perceive to be his hum- humanity mm-hmm. as well. So was that mm. always where you wanted to leave the character in that moment of desolation?
2: Yeah. You know, in the, in, in the moments in, in, in my life where, where everything kind of has um, been destroyed uh, around me, I found a kind of newborn strength in it, you know that, that, that there is a, you know, but when you're if you had had fights with with, with your friends and and uh, you know you you go home and you just go like fuck them, <laughs> fuck them all, you know I'm, I'm I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna just be myself and ground myself and I'm I'm gonna do things you know how I always wanted them and and there is a. Uh, very there's a strength in 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 that decision but you don't really know if that's gonna it's gonna be a good decision or a bad decision and i think that was that was where, where i kind of i always saw the first movies as kind of a lead up you know you kind of take the the character to to a certain point and then after that they can really stretch out their arms and and become something
0: uh did you always right from the minute that you started working on the on the project did you always intend to finish it with that shot, that final shot, or or were there other potential ideas in the mix?
2: No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I I always wanted to end the movie on a shot where he finally looked like Morbius, you know, where he he, he became that person that I've been reading about in a comic book, you know, you know, in throughout my my adolescence. Because throughout the movie, you know, he changes uh, wardrobe, he changes. Uh, uh, you know personality, and it's only in the kind of in the last scene, I think, that he starts behaving and moving like uh, you know the supervillain or you, you know or the superhero that, that that we know from 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 the comic books. And so I wanted him to be the hero. I had you know I had uh, one version that I had in my mind was was a kind of a. Uh, traffic version of uh, of, uh, of of Morbius, you know, where this girl Anna would be playing baseball, and you would have him like uh, you know Vinicius Toro sitting on the blinders, you know, watching him, watching her, you know, you have the lights, you have the great music from traffic, and then he would walk out, and then he would fly off, and then it would end on that shot, more or less, you okay. know. So 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 of course, you know, you go through all these kind of different pathways, you know, but, um, but, uh, I like this, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think this is nice.
0: And, and, and so within that as well, you, you have to bring him to this point, uh, which means in, as I said, in very, very quick order, he loses Nicholas, he loses Martine, or, you know, he thinks he's lost Martine. We, the audience know that's not quite the case. But- and then he loses Milo as well can you talk about the pacing of the film and structuring that as well because there's a there's a double whammy in there nicholas dies then very quickly martine dies as well yeah. was that did you want to assault the character with with grief and with loss yeah
2: yeah i i wanted him to kind of uh, lose uh grip of himself you know because i mean if you remember that that last scene he also uh, drinks her blood yeah. you know which is quite uh, you know uh absurd and 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 i wanted him to come, to come to a place where he where he kind of broke you know you think it should be longer should i paste it longer no 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 I, I'm maybe, just, maybe, uh, maybe i should have yeah. <laughs> you know i had like some scenes in between no but maybe you know i, I but I, I i i can see your point but i the idea was that i wanted a, a kind of um, morbius to uh, reemerge, yeah um through a, a breaking point yeah you know yeah. Because I, I think that he's not, like, um, he's not like Spider-Man who finds his calling. Because Morbius doesn't have a calling in the, in the same way, you know. He has to almost accept his own darkness to, to be able to kind of uh, withstand it. He's much more like Wolverine. The end of a Wolverine scene is never kind of really uh, a su- su- successful end. It always has to have a level of tragi- tra- tragedy w- within mm. it because you know that he's guilty for so many horrible things so you cannot give him a puffy puff uh you know my little pony ending and i think the same thing with the with the with, the, with morbius morbius is i think morbius is the spider version of uh, you know a mix of morbius and dr strange almost you know mm. that they are people that have that uh, guilt that they, that they that they carry around and and uh, accepting that guilt and accepting their darker sides are part of their ev- evolution.
0: Is he doomed morally the second he kills all those guys on the boat, even though he's not in control necessarily
2: at that point? Yeah, I mean, that is that that is a question. You know, you know, the moments where we lose control, where we um, become people that we that where we cannot even recognize ourselves. Are we still? you know, can we still be excused? You know, um, can we still find, uh, you know, understanding from the world around us? I don't know, you know, but, but I think it's something that he has to um, uh, struggle with. And I think that moment will be, it is the kind of the pivotal moment uh, for him that will lead him to some kind of change. If you remember, Wolverine seeks up Charles Xavier because he's gone too far. He mm-hmm. can't, he can't uh, control the beast within him mm-hmm. and that's how will ring gets introduced to the x-men you know mm. uh, the world yeah history no yeah yeah,
0: yeah absolutely and uh, uh you mentioned there uh that he drinks martine's blood which i thought was really really interesting so that's the moment that he gives into the bloodlust mm-hmm. but also is <laughs> is he trying to bring a little part of her with him for the confrontation with with, with Milo, is that?
2: I mean, I think that, uh, you know, w- on one hand, uh, what is clear is that uh, what Mike Morbius constantly, you know, fights uh, throughout the movie is that if he drinks the artificial blood, he uh, can regain a certain kind of amount of control mm-hmm. and he can regain a certain amount of his powers. But his powers increases if he drinks real blood mm-hmm. and if, it's a, a, if, if it is night. Yes. you know according to, to 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 the comic book and and i think that uh, in that moment um she says, she asks him to use what little little power she has to give him to be able to beat uh, the person that he has to stop that he's responsible over and that act uh, almost gives away his own soul
0: you know mm. oh, was there ever a version of the movie where she made it out. She 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 survived in the endless movie, um. Or was she always going to die?
2: No, she was always going into this, uh, you know, uh, open ending of of, of, of our character. Yes, yeah. Because, because I mean, uh, we have uh, a Arjona, you know, who you know is going to become like a huge star and you know has a secret part in the Star Wars universe. So, no, we don't want to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> Good, a point. Life. good point
0: point. Uh, and of course you're yeah, right she she's not dead she's not dead so uh can you talk about that i mean about you know in the comics she does become a vampire as well so that moment where morbius's blood goes into her mouth uh
2: i think that with with with, with Mar- Mar- martine uh bancroft she has such a kind of uh, interesting uh story in the in in the in the comic books and as you know those are the ones that we have to kind of um, hold pledge to. And, uh, and I think that where she will go, there's so many different paths. You know, if you read the Morbius in the 70s or in the 90s, you know, she has a vast variety of possibilities. Mm. And uh, we will see where, where we will end up. But I think uh, her future is interesting.
0: But Milo, Milo is gone. <laughs>
2: hey, man. Hey, man. Love I love Matt Smith. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's a comic book movie. Nobody potentially ever really truly dies. But Hey man, they're vampires. They're vampires, precisely. <laughs> there's always there's always a get out of jail free card. But can you yeah. talk about that relationship? Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. But can you talk about that relationship between between uh, Morbius and, and Milo? You know, even even down to things like the like the nickname and he shares yeah. attributes with, with Hunger from the comics, but he's not necessarily That character.
2: No, but I mean, I I also thought that you know uh, Morbius has always been like a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and and I thought that um, uh, Milo is also an idea of uh, separating these two uh, uh, people and letting them have um, you know a discussion of what choices that they should have. I think Milo's choices make sense. He's been mistreated his whole life, and as he says in the movie uh we had death hanging over us our whole life why shouldn't they for a moment you know mm. so so and, and and i can appreciate that that, that lust of uh, wanting to claim your own kind of respect and to be you know um, to be the predator for 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 once that's my, that that is milo's kind of uh, decision and and that makes the choice much more clear he has a person that he can see what he would become if he would just give in yeah but then also milo has as another side which is he's asking morbius to accept his powers to really let them flow and when he does that morbius reaches new levels of of strength that he didn't even know he had within him
0: which is where he is at the end of of the film
2: yeah exactly which is uh exactly. yeah which is yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where where it goes next. Uh, that yeah. is for sure. But uh, yeah,
2: me too, me too.
0: Yeah, but uh, but but just just one last quick thing about about that. We made a
2: whole interview about the things that I'm not allowed to talk about. You know that. Now, this is this is you know? the, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> Duncan, this is
0: a, the, the last two three years of your life. You haven't been able to talk yeah. about any of this stuff.
2: No, I know, I know, I know. But that's why it's just blubbering out of my mouth. You know, you know, <laughs> you 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 know. See, yeah. You, you should use your skills for, for, for a different trade, you know? You <laughs> work with cops or something like that. I should be like an FBI yeah. interrogator or something like that. Should you be, should be able to you talk hostages, yeah, you you know, a hostages, you know, hostage negotiator.
0: Yeah. Well, Ryan Reynolds yeah. called this uh, spoiler therapy.
2: Yeah, good. Great. Great. Beautiful. I, you know, Ryan is, uh, is, is a good friend. So, so if he says that, then, you know, I believe him.
0: All right. So now you've been in spoiler therapy. It's all good. Everything is, everything is fine. Take a deep yeah. breath. Thank you. <laughs> We're good. Daniel Espinosa, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much to leave your time. Same back to you. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Okay. So that was Daniel Espinosa. Uh, good director, solid director. Mm.
1: Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. I wanted to get it on the record. I do think that he's a good director. I really liked Life His sci-fi movie that he made for Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) Yes, that's the song I think about too. Great song. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I haven't seen Easy Money, but Easy Money is the film that got Denzel Washington to to sign up to to sign up to Safe House. You don't get the greatest actor of all time to sign up to a movie. (laughs) Take that back right now. Um, (laughs) Not get the greatest actor of all time, Denzel Washington.
0: Damn it! You didn't give me time to Google who else was in (laughs) Safe House.
1: But no, you don't get him to sign up if easy money isn't good. So I feel for him because I do think he's a good director. But with all that being said, with that on the record, this film is not good. Um, It's a real shame because I think there's a lot of potential with Morbius. He's a character that I grew up really enjoying, actually, because I watched him in Spider-Man: The Animated Series, and the arc that they give him in that show is actually really, really good. I wish James Dyer was on this podcast saying that. You don't. <when> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you really, really don't. So yeah, there's potential in that character, but they do not uh, find that in this film, unfortunately. Uh, so yeah, bummer.
3: Yeah I I didn't I didn't hate it I by the standards of the spump uh quite like it um in that I like it more than the Venoms, which is a very low bar in, admittedly I have um, to
1: say we are recording this on the day that it's just been announced that venom 3 is going to be a thing and
3: oh are we uh, oh not just yeah.
0: not just venom 3 which is obviously oh. it was it was going to happen because it did of pretty course, well they made money. at yeah. the box office uh, in the in the at the very height of the pandemic but it was announced yesterday that Bad Bunny is going to star as El Muerto uh, in the latest Spumpk film. What? And I hadn't heard of either of those two concepts uh, Bad Bunny Are you or being and, with and that? I'm, Have you not seen this? <laughs> no, what? This is wild. This is wild because this is confirmation of my theory, for me anyway. That the Spumpk projects are chosen via tombola, <laughs> and it's the only explanation. It's the only possible explanation. We are—they're cur- currently going into production on *Craven the Hunter*, and that is—that's
3: that—that's that, actually in production already. That's, that's it's in production here in the UK. Yeah.
0: Aaron Taylor Johnson, J.C. Chandor—good cast, but all these things have a good cast. This has got mm. a good cast. Mm. Jared Harris, man—you know—and then there's *Madam Webb with Dakota Johnson. That's about to go into production, and then they announced at CinemaCon last night, just before we started recording this, which is really, I think, my my Chris Tinkle was telling me to hold off on recording this <laughs> until we had at least one more Spunk movie to take the piss out of, uh, or the Spunk out of. Uh, you know, they announced that Bad Bunny um, uh, is going to play El Muerto. That they basically went to Bad Bunny. Uh, who in case you don't know is a rapper turned actor he will soon be seen and I didn't know this until I googled him. <laughs>
1: well, Which is I'm what hopeless. I'm doing right now as you speak
0: <laughs> well, but, that, but that makes me feel better Amon as to be, as to be because <laughs> when I saw the tweets initially it was like Bad Bunny is going to play El Muerto and I was like I don't know what either of those things are <laughs> and, I, you know, and I am hopelessly out of touch with you know music and what the kids are listening to these days so that maybe explains why I don't know Bad Bunny but El Muerto is like, I'm not even sure he's a D-list Spider-Man supporting character. This is E-list, F-list. What is the plan here? What is the grand play that they are they are doing? How are they deciding which projects to do? Is there an end game for want of a better uh, phrase?
3: <laughs> um, we should probably talk about this on the main podcast when we deal with the news later in the week. But I mean, surely El Muerto is there because it will have a potentially very big market in Latin America, Spanish-speaking market, So apparently
0: maybe? apparently they went to Bad Bunny. So in the same way, so the, the article, there was an article, I think it was in Deadline or Variety, had a little bit of background information on this. And so the article said that Sony executives have seen Bullet Train, David Leach's new movie Bullet Train. Mm-hmm. And Bad Bunny is in that as one of the assassins on the train, filled with assassins that Brad Pitt finds himself on. He is also an assassin, of course. And uh, they've seen the movie and they're so up on it that it helped secure Aaron Taylor Johnson the gig as Craven the Hunter. And they also like Bad Bunny. And they were like, okay, so we're going to go to Bad Bunny. And so they went to Bad Bunny and they said, we'd like to make a Spider-Man spin-off Spunk movie with you. And you would be the first Latino to star, to headline a Spider-Man movie. And the problem is that we don't have many Latino characters, I guess, in the Spider-Man archives. And so he went away and he trawled through nearly 60 years of Spider-Man comics. And he came up with El Muerto, who is a wrestler. Amon may be able to tell you more about who El Muerto was. No, he come doesn't know. Okay, we're, we're, in, we're in total Google const- <laughs> territory here.
3: Because that, that does make a certain amount of sense, doesn't it, for Bad Bunny? Because as well as being Spotify's most streamed artist for the last two years, apparently. Really? So you're not the only one who can Google. Um, <laughs> he's, he's also appeared several times at WWE events. So
0: this all makes sense.
3: This all ties up together. He has a potentially gl- globally enormous audience. And um, you know, has found a, a character he can connect to, and apparently can act. Judging by the reaction to Bullet Train, we haven't seen it yet, so we we can't. I'm you know,
0: massively excited about that film. Super excited. Yeah,
3: I mean, you know, that that seems like a no brainer. I, I I feel like the, the the way of superheroes right now is to expand around the world, is to try and break out of this. You know, no disrespect, white man called Chris. Um, mold and, hey. and reach out to other people. Look, you have your representation as in superhero-dom. Okay, you have it.
0: I resemble <laughs> that <laughs> remark.
3: Six. Off the top of my head. Six of them. Who are the six? Well, you have to shorten Christian to no, Chris. come but- on. Come on. You, you try calling Christian <laughs> Chris to see what happens. Five. Oh, Five. yeah. Good for you. Reeve. No,
0: dee, no, dee, no.
3: <laughs> Reeve, Evans, Pratt, Hemsworth, Pine. Come on.
0: All right. Okay. Well, I'm okay. Listen, as much as I like to be compared to Christopher Reeve, and I frequently am, so often, <laughs> I'm going to disqualify him because he's a Christopher. I'm going to disqualify Christian Bell because he's a Christian. Um, that still leaves four. That leaves four: Hemsworth, Pratt, Pine, and Evans.
3: Evans. Yeah. Quite important.
0: Quite important. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess there's. There's. Yeah, you're right. There's a fair amount of white guys called Chris in the mm. superhero. Bubble, so we shall we say, but yeah. So, so from that point of view, this is great. From the other point of view, and this maybe this will bring us back onto Morbius. Don't worry. <laughs> from the other point of view, it maybe betrays a lack of a grand plan, a lack of focus behind the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. That saddens me. They don't, you know, they, they're not, they're not. They don't seem to be playing the long game in the way that their counterparts Mm. over the MCU are.
3: But maybe they don't want to. Maybe they don't, you know, have to. Maybe there is no, maybe there doesn't have to be an end game, if you will, towards an end game, if you will. Um, So, you know, maybe it'll be great this way.
1: I would agree with you on that, Were not for the fact that they clearly made their priorities known with the post credit scenes of this film.
3: Well, that might be a different thing, though. That might be setting up the Sinister Six as a thing they want to do, but it doesn't mean they have to do everything as a big build-up to a big thing. I'm not saying that
1: they have to do everything, but they need to put in a little bit of work before throwing post-credit scenes like this out there, because as it exists, it just feels very cynical, like you're just trying to hoover up all the cash from the same group of people who liked Spider-Man No Way Home, goodwill, which they have now tarnished because of the, because of this film. Like, they had all this goodwill That's... from that film going into it. Like, everyone, Spider-Man No Way Home, Sony, everyone goes and watch that film, makes a billion dollars, etc. And then this comes out, and it's just like... I mean,
3: isn't that, you know, I mean, it's all cynical. Like, if we're being cynical, like, you know, oh, can you so say cynical. the same thing about the, the, the post-credits thing at the end of Incredible Hulk?
1: Yeah, but at that point it was clear that there was some sort of plan.
3: All, yeah. this, all that was clear at that point was they were putting a team together. That's all that's clear at this point. It, you know, I don't think we can draw too much more than that from it.
0: I don't I don't think every yeah, I don't think every post-credit thing in the MCU stands up to scrutiny. Uh, I agree. That one that one especially I don't think does. But I think what I'm on is, is saying, uh if I may be so bold, is that this is just it's, it's haphazard. And it is it is cynical and and it feels it's been retrofitted clearly. So, okay, let's talk about it. Then I want to circle back and talk about the the, the larger problem, mm-hmm. I think, with this bump, uh, which is just the quality of the movies. We wouldn't be having this discussion. We wouldn't be um, We wouldn't be being cynical about the concept of a Craven the Hunter movie or a Madame Web movie, no matter how, or a El Muerto movie, no matter how low-key or obscure the characters are because Shang-Chi just showed this this mm-hmm. yeah. last year that you could take an, an obscure character a D-list character at best and make it into a great film
1: Shang-Chi was more popular than Guardians of the Galaxy and Peacemaker and Guardians of the Galaxy and Peacemaker have done what they've done yeah. so yeah,
0: yeah. and you know, going back to Guardians of the Galaxy so this wouldn't be a problem if and I know there are people out there who really love the Venom movies. We're obviously not those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the issue is one of quality. That as much yeah. as I didn't want to rip my eyes out whilst watching Morbius as much as it surprised me in some ways uh, you know I think it falls apart towards the end I really do and you know I think but I thought the first 15 20 minutes was was decent but these movies just feel like they feel like throwbacks that were to a time before the MCU even existed just in yeah. terms of how they're conceived in terms of how they're presented in terms of in terms of how they look and feel. They feel really old school. They're not satisfying. They're not great in terms of quality either. And that is one of my my big problems with 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 those.
3: Well, that I 100% agree with. Um, I'm just saying that I don't think this is any more cynical than anything else. I, 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 think the, I think there are structural problems with these movies. Partly the quality thing that you've addressed, absolutely. Partly the fact that if you are dealing with a group which is all you know, some some variation on the anti-hero because they all started off as Spider-Man villains and they're all trying to, you know, being given these semi-quasi-sympathetic backstories. And yes, I know that Morbius in particular has often had a tragic backstory, not, you know, not a, a, a straightforwardly villainous one. But that's like a best case scenario for this lot is tragic backstory and they occasionally do villainous things. That's very hard to make a, a, a satisfying team-up movie out of mm. and, and, and I know we can have redemption arcs god knows we're going to have a million of them I guess by the time this spump comes together we we can have a certain amount of that They're, they may all win us over eventually maybe Venom 3 is going to be our favorite movie of whatever year that comes out brilliant it's hard to see though from this point I 100% agree how that feels satisfying how that feels good how films that are this retro you know work Towards something that's actually kind of you know quite modern, like like an Avengers, like a team up.
0: I think the problem for me is not necessarily about the the, cyn- the cynical nature of the post credit sting uh, or stings at the end of uh, at the end of Morbius. For me, and I don't know whether you guys agree with this. For me, it's about. It's more about the fact that it doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
2: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. No, just from, from, a, from a storytelling
0: point of view, from a narrative point of view, and what it what it does as well is it almost completely invalidates the previous ninety minutes that we've been watching, which is this tortured guy, this you know who's who's trying to shy away from the darker parts of his soul, and he kind of achieves that by the end of the film, and he he reconciles that part of himself, and then the next thing we see is him swanning around in... Like a super duper sports car, and having a conversation with the vulture. And we should definitely talk about where the fuck he came from. Uh, But we, you know, he has a conversation with the vulture and is like, oh, yeah, let's go get Spider Man. And Morbius, in what to me is clearly a shot taken from another scene entirely says, oh, that sounds intriguing, which, okay, we'll talk about that in a second, but that invalidates Morbius's entire arc in the movie, which is, Helen just said there that, you know, there's going to be lots of redemption arcs in Spunk by the time we get to the Sinister Six movie, if that's where they're going, or if they somehow bring Spider-Man back into this world, if that's where they're Please going. He's got no. One of the problems they're gonna have is that by the time he faces the Sinister Six is that none of them are gonna be bad guys. They're all they're like they're all going none of them are gonna have a reason to fight Spider Man because they're all just misunderstood.
3: Yeah, I mean, but isn't it just gonna be one other big misunderstanding? And which in fairness, there's a lot of that in the comics, you know, people turn up and there's a misunderstanding over something or other and they punch up and then they realize they're all on the same side, yada yada. It's possible to make that work. It can, I guess, be done. I find it unsatisfying, but it can be done. I guess I mean look, that scene isn't good and I'm not going to defend it, but there is enough wiggle room in what Vulture says in a universe which doesn't know anything about what he's done that Morbius might genuinely somehow think he's a good one. I have no idea what they're going for there. I don't think they know what they're going for there. I think they're just trying to establish that these two people might team up in future. But that's the frustrating thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, I spoke to Daniel Espinosa about that, and obviously, I asked about that. And as you heard, he answered it to, in my opinion, to the best of his ability. Mm-hmm. My theory on this is, you know, I would say if I were a betting man, I was, I'd be surprised if he absolutely had 100% input in that. It feels to me like that's been something that's been dictated by, by, uh, by the powers that be, by the corporate overlords. There's so much about that makes no sense. The appearance of the vulture in, that universe, which I didn't know that's how Doctor Strange's spell worked. Uh, He arrives in prison, so automatically they put him on trial. Why? Is there an Adrian Toombs equivalent in that universe? Has he swapped places with that Adrian Toombs? Was that Adrian Toomes also in prison for, for being the vulture?
3: I, I understood that What's to me. He on? wasn't put on trial so much as he was just like, there was a process to get him cleared because he just turned up and nobody knew why. I well, don't think just, it was You a just let him trial. go, don't you?
0: Just, just, you just go, well, who, who are you? And he goes, I'm Adrian Toombs. And you go, okay, well, we don't know who you are. Get out.
3: But well, There would be a bit of bureaucracy there, wouldn't there? If some random person turned up in the prison, you, you, there would be an, at least an investigation to figure out how they got there and did we just lose their paperwork and are they really meant to be here? And right. Establishing who they are, I suppose, before you actually let them out. And in this case, if his story is, I'm just, some, I'm just a normal guy, I'm just an innocent guy from a, from a different universe, then you would have to clear that up before you...
0: Yeah, but it's that like, that raises right? so many questions to self as well, which I'm is I'm not saying it if, doesn't. I know because if <laughs> if, if if he okay. Amon, I want to hear you first before you before I I start digging into this.
1: Yeah, like I agree with everything that you're saying. I would just add this. Audiences today are smart. They know what you're trying to do when you try and do something like that the reason why the mcu has worked as well as it has is because they've earned the right to do that teasing and not only do they do their teasing well in the way that makes sense but they've earned the right to do that because of the quality of their movies and because of the work they put in before in the 90 minutes 120 minutes however many long minutes beforehand that post credits thing comes up when you do it like this it's just cynical and It's yet another example to me, just like the Dark Universe was years before it, of a studio who is trying to reap all the rewards Mm -hmm. that the MCU has gotten without understanding how the MCU has gotten to where it's gotten. And that's the frustrating thing here. And again, audiences are wise to this, um, which is why the box office, I don't think, has been very, very good and rightfully so.
0: I think there's something about the post credit sting, which is which is interesting. Perhaps bears further discussion. And I, I realize, folks at home, that we're spending a lot of time in these post credit stings. But I, I think I think it warrants it. So, so bear with us. In the MCU, when stuff like this happens in post credit stings, for the most part, and they're they're promising something. It's usually something that you're excited to see, mm-hmm. and that you want to see. And in theory, you should be wanting to see Fulcher team up with Morbius and. and I don't know why you'd be excited to see that, but and 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 start the ball rolling for the Sinister Six. But I don't think it's something that the audiences want to see because it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Usually, when we get it in the MCU, you're you're working within parameters that have been very very clearly established. You're using characters that have been very very clearly established.
3: Well, maybe not in the early days. Like they're putting a team together to do what. You know, I'm I'm just like, and I'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit here, mm-hmm. or vampire's advocate, if you will. <laughs> um, but maybe there is an argument that you know, again, something like Incredible Hulk, there was no real justification for that. It wasn't like, oh, we've heard the tutorial coming, we better like put a team together. It was very sort of unfocused, and and so maybe that lack of focus is something that can be corrected in the future. Maybe it's no more cynical than what we've seen before. I'm not saying this, t- I'm just trying to, yeah. you know, yeah. offer a counterpoint. I just
1: want to, because I know that we're going hard on, you know, that Iron Man or that incredible Hulk post credit scene.
0: I think I think and that well, says a lot as well. That that's the one scene and that's from 2008. Yeah, and- yeah
3: no, and, 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 I'm, and absolutely. Even, they get a lot better. They get a lot better.
1: And even then, as, you know, not great as it is, at least it still makes a modicum of sense. <laughs> Iron Man has just arrived on the scene He's clearly the most like powerful person in that world at that time. He's, mm. he's another powerful person in Hulk. He's just a guy who knows Hulk. Let me talk to this guy. I can understand it on that regard. On no level do I understand <laughs> the point well, of Adrian
3: Toomes, he's just arrived on the scene. He's a very powerful person, assuming he can rebuild his wings without the technology that he had in his own world. But let's just mm. hand wave that because apparently mm-hmm. the film does um and he sees this other powerful person who's arrived on the scene i mean how is it how is it not kind of a similar thing
0: because it makes uh, it makes no sense i think uh, I mean, it makes um, no
3: sense i agree that uh, it makes no sense yeah. but i'm just saying you know maybe there is room for them to start making sense in the future
0: so you're right helen how does he build his how did he get his wings back? Maybe, there's like, maybe, maybe that's the spin-off. It's like how Stella got oh. her groove back, but it should be <laughs> this Adrian Toomes and his wings.
1: Yeah, there's no Chitauri in this universe. The Chitauri is how he
3: got the wings. But maybe he learned enough from the Chitauri technology to build wings. Maybe you, know, you
1: could build wings. I don't wings. that. He, the, the tinkerer is who built the wings. If we saw, you know, scenes of... Um, Vulture looking on with great interest, studying the tinker as the tinker is building his wings, then maybe I could give you the benefit of the doubt there. But that's not what happened. He built the tinker built the wings, the tinker's in charge of all the tech. There is no tinker, there's no chitari in the universe. Well, best. there and may be a tinkerer.
3: no in fairness, there may be a tinker, we don't know that.
0: I agree, there's no chitari. So how yeah, and oh. it's the chitari tech that makes the exactly. wings fly the way they do. So that that's that's
3: That's a problem. Yeah. Do we know that the Battle of New York never happened in like the Venom verse, the Morbius verse?
0: Well if it did, there are no Avengers to repel it. So Fair. therefore they would've okay. they would have. They would let's have assume won. not. Okay. So that's yeah, let's assume not. Uh so problem number two is well, I'll get to problem number two in a second. Problem number 1.5 is <laughs> that in the very first trailer for Morbius, the international trailer for Morbius, they gave away Michael Keaton's involvement in this movie. Where he, yes, g- it I think is. he goes up to Jared Leto, but it's clearly in prison and it's clearly a different scene that mm-hmm. was shot before No Way Home. Because that's the other thing as well, that this movie has been delayed so often because of the pandemic. It was originally meant to come out when... 2005 2006 it feels like a <laughs> but it, it it's it's a movie that was meant to come out before no way home now it's coming out after no way home and this whole post credit scene feels retrofitted really clumsily mm. i have no doubt that the original post credit scene for this movie had morbius somehow interacting with uh, Adrian Toombs, but I also have no doubt that that was meant to be that universe's version of Adrian Toombs. And now they've they've had to retcon it a little bit, so it's now our universe's version of Adrian Toombs for reasons. I don't know why. So then Adrian Toombs comes through to our world, and he has knowledge of who Spider-Man is, and he says, he uses Spider-Man's name to Morbius. And Morbius, rather than going, huh? Yeah. Who? <laughs> just kind of goes, that sounds intriguing.
1: Uh-huh.
3: I, I don't feel like we should call this our world because I think it isn't. I know. So if we call, I don't know. Is the MCU Earth 616? Is that what we call it?
0: Our world is the M- MCU world. That's what I was saying.
3: Oh, you're ca- you're. Wow. I'm not calling this our Chris, world. You're in, de- you're in deep, man. We need Ooh. an intervention. <laughs>
0: Well, we're thirty-three minutes into a Morbius podcast, and we haven't <laughs> yet talked about anything other than the post-Credits sting. So, yes, I think an intervention is is <laughs> it might be a word into, well. yeah, entirely needed.
1: Can we talk about Jared Leto?
0: I don't think this is the time or the place.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: this guy is known now for like really gonzo, over-the-top performances. You're playing a superhero. You're playing a superhero and vampire. This is the time for a Gonzo over the top performance. <laughs> this is not the film of all the recent films Jared Leto has starred in. This is the time for a Gonzo over the top performance as a superhuman vampire, and this is the one film where he plays it very sincere. He does, doesn't he?
3: This reminded me that he can be charming. It was weird.
1: Yeah.
0: What was the last time you were charmed by Jared Leto?
3: Probably my so called life. Oh, really?
0: Come on. Come well, on. He wasn't
3: charming in Fight Club, like he was. He was. not He wasn't charming in
0: Fight Club, obviously. But you know, uh, he was. He was beautiful. Uh, I wanted to destroy something beautiful, and there is a tendency to kick Jared Leto and to, I think, uh, discount his ability as an actor because you know there there are. He's not everyone's cup of tea, shall we say?
1: I'm just going to say it here now: method acting, not for me.
0: It's not for me either. No, It's not for me. That's why I haven't tried it for for 30 years. <laughs> but he's not everyone's cup of tea. So I think that means that people can often try and kick his performances. But he was brilliant in the Dallas Buyers Cup. He's brilliant in Fight Club. He's brilliant in um, Panic Room, hmm. which is perhaps is the last time room. I think he played someone who was kind of normal, almost, you know, the heart of the movie. So that whenever he sort of alert exits the stage movie, stage left, you feel it. You know, and so there's something there. There is there is a character, there is a, there is an actor of considerable charm there. And I'm fascinated by his performance here. Uh, Amon, for you, what would the movie have gained had he gone full, I want to suck your blood?
2: Um,
1: more life, more entertainment, because as he plays it, very grounded in a way. And to be honest, the first 10, 15 minutes, I do have to say, I thought, okay, we have something here. It's not terrible. I can vibe with it. But then after that, it's just a little bit boring to watch him go about his business in this movie. Um, now, thankfully, you got to a point, Matt Smith, on the other side of that, who is going full Gonzo. Imagine Matt Smith and Chad are going full Gonzo together in this film. Like, that would have been, you well, know... like
0: Sesame Street? We're <laughs> no, <right>, going, <right>
1: <laughs> Gonzo! <laughs> Like that, 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 that would have been, you know, entertaining. I would, maybe not good, but it would have been more entertaining than the, than what we got here.
3: I disagree. I think I I like that he was playing a hero for once. It was so different from anything I've seen from him in, as we say, about twenty years. Mm. And and I think that you need you need him to be a little bit likable. Well, that's probably too strong a word, but a little bit charming, a little bit heroic, a little bit straight, in order to, uh, you know, in order for all the crazy stuff to work uh, to the extent even that it does, which we'll get into. But you know, the the thing that was missing from me for his performance was a sort of existential horror. Maybe I didn't feel like he got to grips with, or the film got to grips with the kind of the horror side of what's happening. Well, that's Um, because
1: the film can't decide whether Morbius should embrace both sides of himself or
3: work to find a cure. 100%, 100% agree. He he isn't... and, And that's because... And so it doesn't... It misses out on the drama of its drama the drama mm-hmm. is on one hand he's free of the sickness that has that has dominated and plagued and shaped his entire existence to this point it has made everyday painful it has made him physically weak physically struggling it has held his you know gigantic brain back from you know enjoying the full fruits of his labor whatever you want to put it he has had an incredibly difficult life and suddenly he's freed of all of that Only downside is he turns into a monster and sucks people's blood. There there should be more internal conflict than there Mm -hmm. is. I like the the fact that there was that kind of studying himself montage. I like the fact that the, the, the character has enough sort of, you know, rational scientific side to do that. But he does also, everyone also has emotions. You have to deal with the emotions. And this is such a crazy, huge monster of a change in his life that, that the film just handwaves completely handwaves, and that that to me is the biggest single thing about this film that that absolutely messes up. Because apart from anything else, if you don't have him dealing with the monstrous nature of it, there's no real con- contrast with Milo, who we'll get into, I'm sure, embracing the monster.
0: So you don't think the you don't think it. Um... It did enough in that regard
3: I don't think it, I, I, there, I, th- I feel like it hand waves that as well. I feel like it hand waves that that whole aspect. I feel like there isn't enough kind of moral horror for him like this and, and I know that there is the whole you know idea of the 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 search for a better serum, which hello blade um mm-hmm. one twenty no twenty three years ago you know there there needs to be more than that there also needs to be an element i think of just uh terror of himself and horror of himself in a way that I don't think the film gets to grips with. But this is
1: what is so frustrating because even before we get into the effects or the action, which I'm sure we'll get into, but this is just basic storytelling stuff. A, B, C, D leads to E, F, G. It feels like with Morbius, we go from A to to F to Z, skipping important character stuff so that when we get to the likes of you know, X, Y, Z, Everything is landing the way it should. And the stuff with Milo and Morbius is just one example of that.
0: I think we have to look at the film, which feels, after that first 20 minutes, and even then, I'm sure there was some re-editing going on. Mm -hmm. The movie feels like a bit of a patchwork quilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, It feels like... Almost whole scenes are missing. It feels like it sets some stuff up and then doesn't follow through with it. The young girl oh. that he's looking after, mm-hmm. um, in in his in his clinic, she gets dropped like a like a hot potato. Yeah. There's the there's the. I'm, I, when I was researching this, I found an, an interview or, or a quote from Tyrese Gibson that said that his character was pivotal. Simon Stroud was pivotal, and that he had a he had a robot arm his character had a robot arm and there's no evidence of that in the movie whatsoever and he and al madrigal's characters reason i was joking about them at the beginning of the um the the podcast was because as as fun as they are together they're 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 not good to watch when they're on screen you could take them out of the movie and it wouldn't have Mm. any bearing on the plot whatsoever Uh, something has gone on here there's been an awful lot of retooling there's been an awful lot of of work done in this film maybe it's been focus group to hell i don't know but it strikes me that this isn't certain i don't think this is the movie that uh, espinosa signed on to direct
1: yeah the point you bring up about the little girl who they're taking care of who's dropped is a very good one because i feel like in a better screenplay and who knows maybe it does exist and as you said they've done a lot of work on it but that could really feed into Morbius' story and Morbius' conflict because on the one hand you know you got this guy who says that he is trying to find the cure but is it for himself or is it for everybody Yeah. and for if it's the latter then that girl is how you sort of feed that into his story yeah. And there's conflict there, which they don't do anything with. So it's a shame.
3: Yeah, there needed to be more there. There needed to be, you know, not just working on a better blood serum for him, or, or, but there also needed to be working on the serum itself too. It's like, oh, well, this works kind of for me. Is there a way to now make it work properly, mm-hmm. actually, for the likes of her? And I think that would have been a better ending for the film than him, you know, racing off into the darkness, um... With a bunch of bats to hang out with, with Michael them. Keaton, much as we all would love to hang out mm-hmm. with Michael Keaton, yeah. no disrespect.
0: He
1: loves bats because that because then you know you could make it so like so he he failed to, you know, save his best friend, but he could save but, this girl.
3: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I I do think that the whole. You know the whole saving yourself from disease angle has been done a lot in these kind of movies it's often the bad guy it's interesting that when it's the good guy I think there's something to be said for that I, I I really do miss that plot about just you know this guy who suddenly being able to just live a normal life I feel like that we, we kind of missed out on that in the film as well you would have liked to have seen him just you know there's a couple of moments of it I guess but just like being able to run for the first time you know being able to do normal things mm. um just a little bit more that would have helped you again just you know, engage with him, identify with him. And instead all you have is is him and Milo who have this freaking weird relationship. I mean, can we talk about Milo? Because I honestly, mm-hmm. I, I have such a big problem with, with everything they did with that whole relationship, with that whole character, with Nicholas as well. The fact that Milo appreciates being given someone else's name and that, that you know, 30 years later is something he points to as a good thing between him and Michael?
1: Yeah. What? But, but not only that, the how Jared Harris's character fits in with both of them as well. Yeah. I do think there's some interesting stuff there as well, but just on a basic filmmaking level, there's a 25-year flashback in this film. Jared Harris looks exactly the same.
3: I'm sorry, but come
1: on. This guy ain't black. He hasn't got any melanin to speak of. Come on. Make a little bit of effort.
3: His hair Please. is slightly less red. That's all I got for you.
1: Gosh.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah. in fairness, if, if they'd flashback 25 years and Jared Leto looked exactly the same, you'd be like, yeah, pretty yeah. much.
1: Keanu Reeves can get away with it. Paul Rudd can get away with it. Jared Harris cannot. I'm
0: sorry.
3: No, but Jared Leto can.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, Milo's interesting because he just seems to turn evil instantly mm. with no provocation or justification. I mean, but
1: I mean, but Chris, did you see the twist coming? That it wasn't Morbius who killed the dude, but it was Milo. I mean, it blew my mind in the cinema. I gotta it's say. an interesting thing, though, because <laughs> it's a kind of movie...
0: You already have had your main character, and I know they were mercenaries and they were all bad, but he wipes out all those dudes on the boat. And it would have been a much more interesting movie, and I know you're never going to do this in a million years, especially when you have millions of dollars riding on it. But it would have been much more interesting if the movie had been about him grappling with his bloodlust. If you want to have this... If you want to show us Morbius the living vampire, then show us B. show us Morbius the living vampire. Show us a guy who is, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. Show us a guy who yeah. who's unable to control his compulsion to to kill people and is horrified by it and is horrified by the consequences of it. Um and have have some FBI agents <laughs> Have the slightest bit of competence in investigating it as <laughs> well, well. Come now again come that now. Be listen, nice. listen again I thought they were fun together and they have a have a nice dynamic but the scene where they're interrogating morbius and he's going full vampire he's
1: going
0: and they're like well I don't think there's anything weird going on here whatsoever <laughs> let's just let's just stick this guy back in the lockup I mean, come on. That but was, yeah, yeah. I think that would have been a more interesting thing to explore, you know, and the, rather than, than Milo. I like that they did it off camera. Although I do have questions about how exactly Milo did it.
3: Oh sure, yeah, that doesn't make a lick of sense, but that's fine, you know.
0: How could again. he have got into Morbius's lab? Because Morbius is sitting in the, uh, he's sitting in the little girl's room, right? Yeah. Well, so but this is Milo a guy who comes has- and
3: goes, right? And and mm. he seems to be one of the big ones funding the lab.
1: Yeah. Yes. By the but, way, how does he have the money for that?
3: Well, that's that's the only thing I can think of that that kind of relates to him going bad. Is he sold Twitter
0: to Elon Musk for forty four billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> there, there
3: is a there is an at least an implication I think in the film that he comes from maybe gangster money rather than oh. not, not just old money but maybe gangster money,
0: and therefore explaining why he turns evil.
3: Yeah, because he has. I, I f- and maybe I'm misreading background. that. Maybe maybe that isn't there. But that's certainly okay. how I read his early scenes.
0: Interesting. Okay, but my thing is that he Milo has already come to see Morbius, yes. and I said to him, "Oh, I can see what you could do now, and this is amazing. You got the cure, and like give me the cure." And Morbius is like, "Get the hell out of here! Our years of friendship and brotherhood mean nothing to me. Get out of here, yeah. That's bum. exactly what happens. Get yeah. out of here, yeah, <laughs> bum." And uh, and so he goes off. Milo goes, oh, Michael, I hate you. And he goes off and then Morbius goes and sits with the young girl. Now, Morbius, it has been established, has incredibly acute senses, including sharp hearing and echolocation. So how could he not have heard Milo, who has a distinctive shuffle, come back into the lab, ferret around, get the file of
2: Stuff. serum? stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and injected in himself. I know we're interrogating this way more than it needs to be, but I have say this again on the podcast from time to time, if the writers had interrogated this or the production team had interrogated this with the same sort of <laughs> focus, we wouldn't be having this discussion. That's all I'm saying.
3: Maybe he sneaks back in later that night when Morbis is out. Where's he out? Where's he maybe, going? He's in the shops! Maybe Morbius is super focused on the little girl we I don't think ever see again after that point. I don't and think we do now. Isn't paying any attention to the lab at that moment. Yeah. I'm really trying to be fair here. I, I know really so am.
0: am I. So am I. Listen, <laughs> listen. I know this is a low bar, but I I I thought this was the best spunk effort to date. I, I enjoyed quite a bit of, of Venom Let There Be Carnage, mainly whenever it was Eddie Brock and Venom together and having a bit of banter and all that stuff was great. All the stuff of Woody Harrelson and Naomi Harris, not so much, but all the stuff of Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy, that's great. But this I thought was a much more focused in a way, much calmer and less abrasive movie. And because of that, I kind of liked it a bit more. Uh, and I liked how straightforward it was, and I liked, I liked various things, like the, like the moment that he kind of famps out on the boat. But I do think after that, the movie is beset by logic problems, to say the least.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, but I'm going to be very simple with it. Um, do I think Morbius is better than Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage? Yes. Do I think that any of those movies are good? No. Will I be watching any of these movies ever again? <laughs> Hell no. That's it. The defence rests, Your
0: Honour.
3: <laughs> that was your defence? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, the worst lawyer in the world.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, like you say, Chris, I, I didn't hate it. And and like you say, I'm, on, I'm probably more up on it than either of the Venoms as well. It is my favourite of those, which is admittedly, yes, not a high bar. I, yeah. I, But it does, I mean, I think we need to talk more about the his historiosity of this. It does, really does feel like it could have come out the same year as Blade. Like, it really does. And been a Blade wannabe. In terms of, like, the vampire look, it feels like it's straight out of Buffy.
0: Oh, yeah. And I, I wasn't happy with the sea the genius. No. Uh, the, 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 sorry, that, that sounded like I used the word genius. I did not. <laughs> uh, the sea genius of the, of the effect.
1: I mean, that final fight is just... It's really one ugly. One of the worst. It's it's not good. It just feels like two CGI masses having sex. It's, it's bad. <laughs> Tell me more. I, <laughs> I
3: I do like I do have problems with the basic even comic design of Morbius. It's it's honestly one of the reasons I haven't read more of him in the comics. I don't love the way he looks. I don't even love the way he looks in the animated show. And yes, I have seen some of his episodes, Amara. <laughs> Hey, you've no, the lead there. Yeah, you know, some, but then like you know, it's not it's not the best Spider Man show, is it? Come on, come on. Yeah, no, that, that would be spectacular Spider
1: Man. But I'm just glad that you've watched an animated Spider Man. This <laughs> is exciting. We have so much to talk about. This is
3: great. I have a small nephew. It's fine. But um, <laughs> but no, it's it's just I I don't love it as a design at the best of times. But you know, sometimes what doesn't work on the comic page can work really well on the screen when they adapt it and. This was not, for me, one of those times.
1: One more thing that uh, I forgot to mention about this film. Adria Arjona, as Mm. the inverted commas, love interest. They needed to do more with that Mm. character and that relationship. She feels like an afterthought. And that's a damn shame.
0: I think they needed to establish what their relationship was.
1: Yeah, that would have been good too.
0: Because I wasn't sure at times if they were in love or if it was a one-way street or if they were just friends or if they were just colleagues and i'm not entirely sure that the movie figures it out
3: and i mean do you remember in the comics is is morbius kind of contagious is the vampirism you know pass onable in the way that it apparently is here
0: my understanding is that it's not no i didn't think so either that that there, there can be um other vampires can be created but i don't think he i don't think he works in that way
3: and yet she wakes up from apparent death.
1: Yeah,
0: with just a single drop of blood.
3: Mm.
1: That scene where she's knocked out feels very tame. I don't know. <laughs> like You say apparent death, I'm like, from, from that? Like, what happened?
0: I said this to Daniel Espinosa. It's interesting that Morbius loses Nicholas and then Martine in pretty much the same way to the same guy in consecutive scenes. So I wonder if there was again something in between those to build up the mm. emotional impact a little bit more. Um, but I, I, she's fine; she's you know she's decent mm. in the role. But it's a character that kind of changes as the as the movie requires it. And yeah. you know sometimes she's you know sometimes she's written for him, sometimes she's she's not. Um, yeah, it just feels a bit muddled, sadly.
3: It's it's very. Odd. I mean, obviously, I'm not super on board with them killing her. You know, it's a a very, very tired trope. The fridging, we've just discussed it many times. She's a vampire.
0: um, Where do vampires live? In a fridge.
3: Yeah. Uh, Do they? Anyway, It's cold. um, mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, but it is one of those cases where, you know, they bring her back and that's almost worse. Like if you've read the books of Game of Thrones... Uh, there is a character who they bring back, and you're like, "Oh, this is so much worse than killing her." Wow! Oh, is this anyway. Lady
0: Finger Glove or something like that? What's her, what's her name? Lady Katlin
3: Stark, actually. Yeah,
0: but she's she's mm. she comes back as Lady something, doesn't Coldheart. she? Coldheart. Yeah, Lady mm. Coldheart. Yeah. Yes. She does. Uh, yeah, and this reminded me a little bit, just you know, of talking about of, of cynicism. This just reminded me a little bit of the way that um, Stephen Graham in Venom Two mm. suddenly just becomes a symbiote. Yeah, and it comes out of nowhere, and as well, and you're just you're just setting up pieces for future installments. Whereas the mantra we've always said in the podcast is focus on what's in front of you, and then you can focus on introducing new characters and bringing people back and, and doing whatever.
3: And that's true of the MCU as well. Their their weakest Absolutely. films have been the ones that work too hard to set up the future.
1: Iron Man two. <laughs> although as uh, me and helen have been discussing uh, in whatsapp group today that film does have some good moments
3: yeah sure do you think that the average um, counterfeiting lab can be retrofitted to do advanced biochemical work
0: yes hmm. that's why he chooses it
3: of course silly me to ask
0: uh, for that, that that strange scene where he busts that guy's hand and I think that's one of those scenes where it's t- it's trying to walk that line, isn't it, between setting him up as an antihero who goes around righting wrongs and maybe breaking a few bones every now and again, and can't quite decide whether it wants him to be that or whether it wants to be the, the tortured, brooding villain
1: yeah. sitting
0: on top of skyscrapers like a gargoyle.
1: Yeah, you just reminding me of that. that. That's the scene where he goes, "I am Venom," isn't it? Yes. Ugh, good, good. I am reshoot. <laughs> It was in the trailers. I hated it then. I hated it in the movie. It's so bad. Why? Why would you do that?
3: Here's my suggestion for why he would do that and many other things. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Michael Morbius, pre-transformation, never mind post, is a messy bitch who lives for drama. (laughs) That is my, my take. He travels all the way to, is it Sweden, where the main Nobel Prizes are held? Yeah. He travels to the ceremony. He puts on his white tie <laughs> to, to not turn down the award rules. like mm-hmm. a dickhead. Right? Mm-hmm. Then you know he he goes to Costa Rica. He has to stand there in front of the bats. I Nothing can't wait will do. Him, for them but... to leave. I know. <laughs> he has to do it. Then you know when he needs to try out the the ceremony himself. His his answer is not to just do it in his lab. No, no. No, it's to get a boat and go out into international waters. <laughs> he has to and go. And do it there. Why does he, though? Who's watching in his lab?
0: Because it's it's illegal for yes. the reasons that it's illegal. <laughs> And, and Helen, I'm not going to insult your intelligence by listing those reasons because you know them.
3: You know the I reasons do. why. As your lawyer, I do. I do. I really do. Yeah, I, I get that different laws ap- apply in international waters and also that illegal, you know, human experimentation not approved by the FDA isn't allowed. I get it, but like he's doing it on himself and nobody else is around. He's a messy bitch who lives for drama.
0: Yeah, but then if he had experimented in his lab, then. Nothing bad would have happened. <laughs> Hang on a second. Wait a am second. I, 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 am I onto something here? But I, 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 did like that sequence. I thought the sequence where he takes out uh, Corey mm-hmm. Johnson and you know and his his group of grizzled mercenaries who have been hired for reasons. Mm. Um, so many reasons. So many reasons that they've been hired, and Morbius hasn't brought his own security team to guard him from the 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 security team that he's hired. Uh, I thought that scene was pretty effective. I, I was surprised by actually how quickly he turned mm. and how I thought that we'd have some sort of scene of you know him slowly beginning to get some sort of vampiric senses. But no, there he is just wiping these guys out.
3: Corey Johnson's another guy who hasn't really aged since the 90s. He looked pretty much the same in The Mummy.
0: It's the hairline.
3: <laughs> Maybe it is. The
0: hairline. He's had the same hairline for 30 years and I envy him. <laughs> because one, it's one of those things is where, where his, his hairline now... Is where mine is now, but thirty years ago, mine was very, very far forward, and his has always been there, and so time hasn't time hasn't caught up with him in that way.
3: There you go. He's
0: had nowhere to go back from, so therefore, (laughs) he he looks great, he looks fantastic, whereas I look old and and wizened and and ready for either death or sort of sort of revitalising serum of some kind.
3: Well, let's cross fingers for the latter. (laughs) Do you think
0: the serum that he's injected himself with is Spumpk? Do you think that's what they could call it? So he's got Spumpk running through his veins, old Michael Morbius.
3: Isn't Michael a weird name for a superhero?
0: Isn't Morbius a weird name for a superhero?
3: (laughs) Morbius is a totally fine name for a vampire, but I don't know. You don't get many superheroes called Michael. Mike the superhero.
1: I'm not going to be calling Morbius a superhero (laughs) anytime soon, though, so... (laughs)
0: Yes, this is true, because he, he embraces his vampirism at the end of the of the movie and um, and and somehow gets a sports car. I don't know how those two are linked, Why but, but there he goes. Why would you even
1: bother with a sports car when you can fly?
0: Amon, you, a ask, good you ask so many good questions. <laughs> so, so many good questions. Uh, here's a good question. Uh, are Morbius fans called Morbians? Uh, As James Cameron once said, less isn't more, more is more. God knows what he would say after seeing Morbius. Uh, But the last thing I want to say is this movie has not performed well at the box office. Um, I would say that there's a good chance we will not see Morbius 2 unless something goes tremendously uh, right slash wrong in the home entertainment market. Uh, I don't even know if we'll see Jared Leto again as as Morbius, if we ever got down the, the, the line of a Sinister Six movie. Uh, but say that we do, and say that one day they bring Spider-Man into this universe and they have Spider-Man facing off against, whether it's the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man or the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or Miles Morales or... <laughs> Or Tom Holland. So many bad options. of just like that. Or, I or a, all of this. Or a and other Spider-Man. Listen, out there somewhere, there is a white actor called Chris just waiting for his shot. And I'm just saying that you could have... Listen, it could be me. It could be me. It's about time a Spider-Man was an overweight balding bloke in his 40s, uh, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Somewhere in the multiverse...
0: Somewhere in the Multiverse, there is a really shit Spider-Man who would fall to his death at the first opportunity. But
3: Anyone can wear the suit, Chris. Anyone can wear the suit. I mean, I guess. I mean, it would have to be quite stretchy for some of us. Like, hey, fuck wouldn't...
0: you. Fuck no, you, O'Hara. I said
3: us. I didn't say you.
0: Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. The point I'm trying to make before I was so rudely interrupted by Helen O'Hara is... Um, I've forgotten. Anyway, it was a good point. No, the point is, when he comes to fight Spider Man, isn't he a bit overpowered? I was just watching all these these scenes where he like he's moving almost at the speed of light, and he's like he's flying through New York, and he's he can control bats, and he's got echolocation, he's incredibly agile, and he's got these big talons, and I was thinking this guy would shred Spider Man in seconds.
1: Yeah, uh, Sp- Sp- Spider Spider's got some skills. Um- <laughs> <laughs> He'd be fine, but yeah, He'd be no, fine. it just—it just struck me that we are recording this episode, not only in the wake of the announcement, but I'm not sure if you guys realized. Ten years ago today, Avengers Assemble was released. Sorry, Avengers One was released. Um, and today, ten years ago today, Avengers ago One today. came out in the UK. The film that changed everything
3: in day. superhero
1: media uh, arrived. Today in the UK. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but they earned that moment that changed everything, which is, of course, the the, the moment where they all assemble, that big circular shot. You know, I still remember that shot was in the trailers for Avengers, so I, and I'd watched it ad nauseum, but watching that moment in the cinema, in the film for the first time, Goosebumps. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that spunk can have moments like that, but you have to figure out and you have to put in the work to earn them. Mm -hmm. This film does not do that. Venom does not do that either. Um, So yeah, I'm hopeful. Um, I just hope that people study that and take away the right lessons so that we can get a better quality of movie so that not only will I be excited to see moments like that in Spunk, but they will also give me goosebumps, because I want that. I really do, but right now I'm not getting it. That's fair. Uh,
0: yeah, I think that's entirely fair. And uh, it's 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 sad, of course, but every Ooh. day is Christmas Eve at Empire, but if they continue to, in this universe, make movies that are ultimately disappointing, I think that's where we're going to come down on, on Morbius, then appetite for these other movies, which I would say is already diminished. I don't think anyone out there is clamoring for an El Muerto movie. No one is is looking at their watchy going, "When the fuck is my Madam Web movie arriving?" Motherfuckers, uh, Craven the Hunter, I think has real pedigree he's he uh, he's really intriguing in that he's a character that we haven't seen before in the big screen he's one of the big spider-man villains you know or you know he has been historically he's one of the great spider-man storylines as a craven craven's last hunt Mm -hmm. um and that could work that's the one that i'm kind of more infested in right now but the the more if these films come out and they all deliver the same level of quality then pretty soon we're just not going to be a spunk
1: this is it because there's so much audience trust with the mcu now that they can, you know, announce that, you know, Crap Man 2 is coming out in 2028. Sorry. And I'll probably be excited <laughs> for it because it's the MCU. I'll <laughs> be like, how is it going to wow. fit in? <laughs> <What>? with... <laughs> I'm just spitballing it. You get what I'm Crap trying to Man say? Crap Man 2. I'd, maybe there's a comic book here and that. Probably not. But
3: anyway, probably not. I get you.
0: Basically, what I'm yeah. on is saying is that he would go see a <laughs> film called Crap Man Two, kicking Amon woman in the face, and it would be just two hours of Crap Man kicking Amon in the face, and he would go woodwatch.
1: If it's in the MCU, I'd be like, how's it gonna fit in with everything else? If it's in the MCU, <laughs> wow. if it's in the MCU, surely it's gonna be on some on a certain level of quality because we have that audience trust. That's all the right. point I was trying to make, probably in a really terrible way. But hopefully I,
3: you get
0: it. No, I'm, I'm all for a crap, man.
3: <laughs> I, I do I do accept that, and well, I, I don't want to see crap, man, too. That that no, doesn't do sound good. That doesn't sound good. I will was say he bitten
0: that. by a radioactive crap? By the way, <laughs> oh, I just no.
3: How would that don't you know what? Don't tell me. Anyway, <laughs> but what I do think is that you know at this point in the MCU, we'd had Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man Two.
0: Mm. Not great
3: not great iron man yes the other two not great and so there was still everything to play for there is still everything to play for with this series mm-hmm. you know maybe taking lesser known characters who have give you more room to work with maybe that's a good thing maybe madam webb and el muerto is a good thing because that we haven't seen them a million times before maybe there's a way to make craven the hunter less fucking annoying than he is to me in the comics because i cannot <laughs> stand him but maybe that can be done. I am here for it if they can do it. And I get, as you say, Chris, it has a great, mm-hmm. great cast. So, you know, it it it's all to play for. It really is. I mm-hmm. and, and I do think this had glimmerings of of hope. I think that. Like I say, I find Jared Leto quite charming in the role at times. Mm -hmm. I find him much more likable than he has been, much funnier than he has been in years. Um, There was a little bit of levity here. There was a blend of of some kind of horror that the MCU would generally shy away from. And also, you know, the kind of the superhero stuff. So there are things that they can do to set themselves apart. There are things they can do to make this feel essential. They just Mm -hmm. haven't quite got there yet.
0: I yeah I have to say the scene where uh, Milo kills the nurse is actually pretty creepy yeah mm-hmm. and pretty My effective water. and yeah. uh, ditto the scene where Corey Johnson and his team get taken out uh, you know it 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 you know, it's it's not rewriting the horror rulebook by any stretch of the imagination but it was it was nice to see those tropes and you know those uh, that 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 horror movie style deployed deployed here in in not the MCU but the MCU adjacent the the you next to the MCU is what is what this is. <laughs> um yeah and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, we could we could we could look in these other movies as the as the movies a save spunk but there is a there's a glaring omission and then we've talked about this in the podcast before. There's just there's a hole at the center of this donut and yeah. and it's Spider-Man and until they find a way to use Spider-Man in this universe It just feels rather pointless. It feels like bald men fighting over a comb. And I don't really see the point of that at the moment. Whoever that Spider-Man is, and I hope with all my heart that it's not Tom Holland.
1: I swear if they even think about having Miles Morales debut in this universe. You you, 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 you would not want to see a one woman if and when that announcement is made because
0: whew. if you want to find out why he's called Warman, then because <laughs> he was bitten by a radioactive war that's what happened to him anyway listen that's exactly how it works uh, anyway on that note I think that is a good note on which to end our Morbius spoiler special sorry about everything um <laughs> But I figured, out, I figured out a pivot. I figured out a way out of this. Okay. It's time to do an Avengers spoiler special. Let's get straight <laughs> into it right now. I'm joined for this Avengers spoiler special on its 10th anniversary, the anniversary, 10th anniversary of its release oh, in the UK. Gosh. I'm joined by Helen O'Hara.
3: Hello. I still have my key ring from that screening. Really?
0: <laughs> mm. I'm joined by Amon Warman.
1: Hello. I still remember going to that screening and coming out of it, just talking to everybody who just had their minds blown. Normally, after a screening, everyone dissipates after like 20, 30 minutes. An hour after the screening, there's still a ton of people outside the cinema, losing their minds. I was one of them, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, listen, maybe we'll do this another day, uh, have a chat about it, because our, our Avengers uh, spoiler special was the first one we ever, no, the second one we ever did. Uh, but it was the first proper one we ever did on these spoiler specials. As you as you know, if you subscribe, you'll you'll go back and you'll you'll see. I think it's forty five minutes long.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we were young we ones. That?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which is insane. The Kevin Feige interview is thirteen minutes long. <laughs> yeah it's it's absolutely wild (laughs) now if we if we did a spoiler special for the first avengers movie and we came in under three hours we'd be (laughs) disappointing ourselves we'd let ourselves down that's how we would feel if we came out of it under less than three hours so who knows maybe we'll do that you know what captain it would be my genuine pleasure (laughs) anyway maybe that's for another day Uh, uh for now it's time to say goodbye to morbius and it's time to say goodbye to my two colleagues of such lethal company. I've just seen your, I've just seen your squadcast name, Amon. I paid money for this, Mister no, Amon
1: Woman.: I, I paid money for this. I paid money for Helen O'Hara as well.
3: Oh, whoa, whoa! That was payback for the karaoke. <laughs> but still, yeah. Hang
0: on, well, did you not see this in a in a press screening?
1: No, uh, we uh, booked karaoke. Night of, the night of the press screening. Did. Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, to quote Indiana Jones in the last crusade, he chose wisely.
1: <laughs> Indeed I did.
0: That was that's right. I remember this now. I remember the, the debate <laughs> yeah. that you guys had about whether you should do karaoke or see uh, Morbius. Well, there you go. Uh, it is goodbye from the sinister one Helen O'Hara.
3: I mean, I've would gone for the Sinister Six, but there's only one of me, so toodaloo. <laughs> there's
0: only one of me. Uh, and it's goodbye from me, Dr. Acula, MD. <laughs> Hopefully they won't be able to crack that code and find out my secret. Whoa, 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 whoa. uh <laughs> anyway, I'm off to find out the true meaning of spunk. That sounds wrong. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>